0: This isn't the real Caesar's Palace, is it? What do you mean? Did Caesar live here? Um, no. I do not think so. I went to Vegas last weekend. Pretty crazy. Vegas, baby! Vegas! Gentlemen, welcome to Las Vegas. Why don't you give me half the money you were gonna bet? Then we'll go out back, I'll kick you in the nuts, and we'll call it a day! Some guys just can't handle Vegas. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 31 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. My name is Jeff, and welcome aboard this little podcast journey to my favorite city on the planet, fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. For this episode, it's time for another world-famous Jeff Does Vegas trip report. As in past trip reports, I'm going to run through some of my highlights and lowlights of my most recent Vegas trip. I've got reviews of my hotel and the restaurants that I ate at some thoughts to share on a couple of properties that I walked through for the first time in a very long time. And I've also got a few random thoughts to share with you based on things I spotted during my adventures along the strip. So without any further ado, let's do this. I'll start things off with my hotel for this trip trip number five of 2019 i chose to stay at the flamingo now i've reviewed the flamingo in past episodes of the podcast episodes number 10 and number one to be exact so if you want some of the general pros and cons of the property i'd invite you to jump into the archives at jeffdoesvegas.com and check those shows out however this trip was the first opportunity that i've had to stay in one of the newly renovated flamingo rooms Over the last couple of years, the Flamingo has been going through the process of updating the former entry-level fab rooms in their Habitat Tower, which is a very good thing. A couple of years ago, I had the misfortune of staying in one of the fab rooms, which featured beat-to-hell furniture, water-stained walls and ceilings, terrible Wi-Fi that kept dropping off, and electrical outlets that I didn't trust to not burn the building down, all of which prompted me to call the Flamingo, and I quote, "...a shithole." in a TripAdvisor review that I wrote. Flash forward to 2019, and the rooms have undergone a huge upgrade, no longer resembling that shithole from two years ago. New carpet, fresh paint, new modern furniture, super comfortable beds, and totally renovated bathrooms. Side note on the bathrooms, the Flamingo has eliminated the small bottles of shampoo, conditioner, and body wash and replaced them with a dispenser in the shower. The only issue I ran into with this was that they did tend to leak occasionally. My room had a great view of the Habitat garden, pool, and high roller, and the only downside to that was during the day, if I was in my room, I could hear the music from the go pool. Honestly, not that big of a deal and nothing that a pair of earbuds couldn't fix. Also, one thing that hasn't changed from two years ago, the Wi-Fi in the Habitat tower is still super spotty and was constantly dropping off on me. Otherwise, it was an awesome stay at the Flamingo. As I've said in past episodes, you really cannot beat the Flamingo when it comes to location and value. It's dead center of the Strip with easy access to everything. They've got great on-site amenities, and it's always one of the better-priced resorts along the Strip. All right, on to my favorite Las Vegas topic, food. For this trip, I hit up some of my usual spots, I checked out a Vegas institution off the Strip, which also featured some great entertainment, and I had the chance to check out some brand new restaurants that had recently opened up along the Strip. To begin, I'll toss out my repeat spots. First, Village Cafe at Ellis Island. I extolled the virtues and value of this place back in episode number 24 with the June Trip Report. In case you missed it, I was able to score French toast, a side of bacon, and a coffee for 11 bucks. I was more than happy to take advantage of that again on this trip. And of course, if you go, don't forget about the $6.99 steak and eggs breakfast special. Secondly, Nine Fine Irishmen at New York, New York, and Rera at Mandalay Bay. It's becoming the battle of the Irish pubs whenever I make a trek to Vegas. Both places serve up awesome food and a great pint of Guinness, and I've been a longtime patron of Nine Fine Irishmen, but I'm really starting to enjoy hitting up RERA whenever I'm in town. Go to either of these establishments. My recommendations, Chicken Pot Pie at Nine Fine Irishmen, Bangers and Mash at RERA. And third, Mon Ami Gabi at Paris. After a few negative experiences, I'd taken a bit of a hiatus from this place, but it had been a while, so I thought, you know what, I'll give it another try. It always used to be one of my go-tos for breakfast. If you go, I would recommend the Smoked Salmon Eggs Benedict. It's absolutely delicious, and if you can, snag a spot out on the patio where you'll have a great view of the Strip and the Bellagio Fountains. My only complaint this time around was that I felt rushed. The server really seemed to be trying to push me along and get me out. And if the place was jammed full, I would totally get that. But there were lots of empty tables both inside and outside on the patio, so there really didn't seem to be a need for the rushing. All right, on to the new spots that I tried for the first time around. Let's start with a new-to-me restaurant. Bootlegger Italian Bistro is located about five minutes south of the Welcome to Las Vegas sign on Las Vegas Boulevard. It is a total old school Vegas restaurant. It's been around for 70 years. I had the pleasure of checking the place out with a few friends after Monday's dark. Bootlegger is open 24 hours. They feature a huge menu serving up giant portions with extremely reasonable prices. They're also the home of some great entertainment. When we were there, we caught the tail end of Kelly Clinton's open mic cabaret, which goes down every Monday night. And you never know which Vegas musicians or singers might pop around to do a few songs or just hang out and soak in the vibe. Also on this trip, I had the pleasure of checking out a few brand new spots along the Las Vegas Strip. We'll start with flights in the miracle mile shops at planet Hollywood. They are an aviation themed restaurant. So for a plane nerd like me, this was a cool spot to check out. They are all set up with a full size airplane hanging from the ceiling. The servers are decked out in flight attendant uniforms. The bartenders are wearing captain's uniforms and one of their signature cocktails is called miracle on the Hudson and features a little plastic airplane floating in the drink. Friend of the podcast, Sam Novak, who runs the Vegas Unfiltered blog, has raved about flights, so I was really excited to go give this place a try. Menu-wise, they specialize in serving up flights of food and beverages, similar to what you might find in a tapas restaurant. It's a great concept in that it really gives you a chance to try a few different things all at once. Now, that being said, as a solo traveler eating alone, I don't know that I'd go here again. It has nothing to do with the food or the service. Both were absolutely incredible, but I really think this would be a a better experience with a group of friends where everybody can order several flights of food and drinks and share them around the table. Next up, let's talk about Trustworthy Brewing Company and Barbecue at the Grand Canal Shops in the Palazzo. This is another relatively new restaurant in town, having just opened their Vegas location at the start of August. They've got their own on-site brewery with a great selection of signature beers and special limited release brews. I tried the What Plain Oatmeal Stout Beer, which if you're a fan of Guinness like I am, you'll love it. The beer prices, pretty reasonable for the Vegas Strip. It's $3 for a taster, $8 for a pint, or you can build your own flight of four beers to try a little bit of everything on the menu. As for the food, I have to say I was super impressed. I had the New York Strip steak, and it was fantastic. I'm usually pretty reluctant to order steak in a restaurant simply because, and not to toot my own horn here, but I make a hell of a great steak. And it's always disappointing to be at a restaurant, eat steak, and end up thinking, you know what? I could have done that better myself. That was not the case here at all. The steak was cooked to a perfect medium rare, and the sides, Brussels sprouts and garlic mashed potatoes, were fantastic. And price wise, it was pretty reasonable too. $42 for the steak, which also included the sides a great bargain considering most of the steakhouses in Vegas do it a la carte and charge you extra for all the sides. I should add too, they've got a huge menu with something for everyone. And honestly, I can't wait to go back and try a few more items. Finally, I had lunch at crack shack at park MGM of all the new places I intended to try. I I think I was most excited about this place. I mean, they've got photos of showgirl chickens. What more do you need? Right. Crack Shack serves chicken, and they do it right in so many different ways. The big draw on the menu is the Jidori chicken, which you can get in either a five-piece or a 10-piece meal. They've got multiple dipping sauces. I tried the Sriracha Thousand Island Sweet Heat and the Cracksup, which is their own version of ketchup, all of which also, by the way, are great for dipping your fries, too. Speaking of which, the fries are amazing. They are spiced absolutely perfectly with just the right amount of heat. Now, in addition to the Jidori chicken, Crack Shack does chicken sandwiches. And I have to say, they're incredible. I had the G-Bird, which was a grilled chicken breast with shishito pepper relish, Swiss cheese, romaine lettuce, and tomato on a whole wheat brioche bun. Easily one of the best sandwiches I've ever had. Another neat little quirk of Crack Shack the drink options. They had a whole selection of craft sodas. I had the agave vanilla cream soda. Absolutely incredible. Now, if you're not adventurous when it comes to your drinks, they did have Pepsi and diet Pepsi there as well. Crack shack is going to do very, very well, especially with their proximity and being so close to T-Mobile arena. You're definitely going to be able to expect the place to be completely packed both pre and post event at T-Mobile. I am already looking forward to my next Vegas trip and my next meal at Crack Shack. Off the top of the trip report, I mentioned that I did walkthroughs at a couple of properties that I hadn't been to in quite a while. On one of my days when I had some spare time, I decided to hop on the monorail and head up to the north end of the strip and take a stroll through the SLS. Now, looking back on it, I realize that I actually haven't been in that hotel since my very first trip to Vegas back in 2003. And needless to say, it's a lot different than I remember it. Of course, at that time, it was still the Sahara, which it's going to be rebranding back to in 2020. From what I saw in my quick walkthrough from the monorail to Las Vegas Boulevard, The place looked great. The casino was spacious and well laid out. It was really easy to find your way around. There were also lots of great looking restaurants and bars in there. So I just might be tempted to spend a little more time at the SLS soon to be Sahara on one of my upcoming trips. After walking out of the SLS, I decided to head south to insert ominous music here. Circus circus. (laughs) It's everything I remember it being and then some. Now, I'm not going to come right out and say Circus Circus is a dump, but it's certainly close. The property recently celebrated its 50th anniversary, and it's showing every single inch of that 50 years in a huge way. The outside of the building is faded. The carpets inside are dirty and full of cigarette burns and stains, and the place just kind of feels a little bit gross. Looking around, it's pretty clear that the current owners, MGM Resorts, haven't put any money into the property in a very long time. But frankly, they don't have to. Amazingly enough, Circus Circus is one of the most profitable properties in the MGM chain, mainly due to the fact that it's fully paid for and that it's a huge hit with families visiting Las Vegas. That's thanks to the on-site circus acts, the arcade, the Midway games, the restaurants, and the Adventure Dome indoor amusement park. And oddly enough, Circus Circus is also home to one of the top steakhouses in Las Vegas, consistently receiving four and five star reviews on TripAdvisor and Yelp. The steakhouse has a great reputation in the city. And from what I've heard from both locals and tourists, it's absolutely incredible. I guess you could call it the silver lining to the dark cloud that is Circus Circus. This was also a big trip for me and that I finally sat down and played a table game. Regular listeners to the podcast will know that this has been on my list of things to do in Vegas for a very, very long time. And it's not that I haven't wanted to do it. Honestly, it's just been tough getting up the nerve to sit down and play. All the way back in episode number 13 of the podcast, I explained that I had had a somewhat traumatic experience at a blackjack table at a casino here in Calgary, and that had pretty much soured me on table games. But this time around, I decided to put on my big boy pants and just do it. After I finished eating breakfast at Ellis Island, I found myself an empty blackjack table, $5 minimum, three, two payouts, which is pretty much the standard at Ellis Island. I told the dealer, Connie, right off the top that it was my first time ever playing blackjack, my first time ever playing a table game. And she promised to go easy on me. I handed over $40 cash. Connie handed back my chips and I made my first bet and proceeded to lose. And then I lost again. And then I won a couple of hands and then I lost a few more hands. And then after getting my first blackjack, I thought, you know what? Probably a good idea to quit while I was ahead or at least not too far behind. After I tipped Connie $5 to thank her, I walked away with 15 of my $40. And you know what? I was okay with that. I had a lot of fun and my dealer was amazing. Amazing. Connie was super patient with me. She taught me a little bit of strategy, and she complimented me on my vintage Sands t-shirt from Moonshot. Connie told me that back in the day, she was a dancer at the Sands when she was only 19. Scandalous. And that she'd met her husband working there. He had been a blackjack dealer. So the big question, would I play again? Absolutely. If I can find myself another $5 table or maybe even I'll go big time, $10 table, and I can find a group that looks like they'll be able to tolerate playing with a total novice, I will definitely do it. All right, so we're just about done here. And as always, I like to wrap up my trip reports with a few quick tidbits and thoughts. First off, I spotted a new tactic being used by the showgirls on the strip to avoid people taking photos of them and not tipping them. Believe it or not, they've started squirting people with spray bottles. I saw a guy strolling down the strip with his family, and he was randomly taking video as he was walking along. He momentarily focused on a couple of showgirls, pausing on them for like maybe two seconds, and one of the girls whipped out a spray bottle, like the kind you'd use to punish a cat, and started spraying him with water. So that's something for you to watch out for. Secondly, I wanted to put the call out to my fellow male Vegas travelers regarding wardrobe selection, particularly when you're in Vegas with your significant other. For the love of all things holy, guys, Please make an effort to dress nicely when you're heading out to shows with your lady. I was absolutely amazed to see what dudes were wearing for a night out on the town, especially when comparing it to the way the ladies were dressed. The girl on their arm would be dressed to kill looking like a million bucks. Like she'd spent hours picking out an outfit, doing makeup and hair and prepping to go out. Meanwhile, Their guy is there in a tank top, backwards hat, cargo shorts, and flip-flops. Seriously, guys, if you're dropping a couple hundred bucks for show tickets, maybe try a collared shirt, or at the very least, something with sleeves. And finally, if you're a fan of Lady Gaga and you happen to be walking through the park MGM on a night when she's performing in the park theater, pop in and check out the House of Gaga. It's a great little museum slash gift shop. It's free to enter and features props and costumes from past tours, music videos, movies, and music award shows. They've also got a pretty solid selection of Lady Gaga merchandise as well. All right, so that pretty much wraps things up for this episode of the podcast. Relatively short and sweet. As always, if you've got feedback on the show or you're looking for ideas and suggestions for your own upcoming Vegas vacation feel free to reach out via social media. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas. You can also email me directly as well if you like, jeff at com. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out past episodes and show notes at com. My name is Jeff, and this has been episode number 31 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast, a Walker New Media production.